We're going to turn this morning to Romans 13. John chapter 3. Oh, probably Genesis 12. Galatians 4, if you're keeping up. Romans chapter 13. John chapter 3. I want to start there in John chapter 3. Just quickly this morning. John chapter 3 and verse 5. John chapter 3, verse 5. Well, let's just go to verse 3 so we have, a, have the surrounding text. John chapter 3, verse 3. Again, this is where Nicodemus of the Pharisees has came to Jesus by night. saying, we know you must be a teacher from God. In verse 3, And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born and Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6 is what I want you to hear this morning. It says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it, the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and to where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This morning, I want you to see verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. It's probably one of the most important statements that Jesus ever made on earth. It is a key to understanding how you live for God and what it means to be born again and what it means to live past being born again. How many of you know that Jesus didn't just die to keep you out of hell? That's certainly the best thing, that, we, that we, he reconciled us back to his Father, but he intended for us to live a life now, a believer's life now, a full life now, a Christian life now, not just salvation, but he intended us for us to live this thing out in accordance to his word. And it doesn't come by flesh. Hear me. Whatever is a flesh, is born of flesh, is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. You say, okay, you've said that three times. Now we're going to touch it and, and flesh it out real quick. I want you to understand at the beginning of the word, that there, of the message, that there is no point that what is flesh becomes spirit. This is important. It's not possible. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. One, something born of flesh cannot become spirit. Something born of spirit cannot become flesh. It's one or the other. Amen. And the flesh is of your carnal nature. What is born of a natural way and of a natural thinking how many of you know you, have a, you, have, you can be spiritually minded or you can be carnally minded? Carnally minded does not mean necessarily evilly minded as men would perceive evilly minded. It means of your natural understanding, out of you. Now we, we have an enemy, hear me, we have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. But I will tell you that most of what the believer struggles with and comes up against is self. Carnal thinking. I'll handle this. I will do this. I, 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 most of all, I did it my way. Most of our struggles, 
James says that we are drawn away by what? Our own lust. Yes, there's an enemy. Yes, there's spiritual attacks. All of those things are true. But most of what we struggle with in living for God is flesh. Hello. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Paul is the speaker. And he starts out with three interesting words, and do this. And do this. Knowing the time. How many of you know the time? And do this. Knowing the time. How many of you look around and know something's up? I'll let you quit turning so we can engage. When you get there, say amen. Romans 13, 11. How many of you know something's afoot? Something's going on. You can ask anybody at the grocery store. Don't know the first thing about the Lord and they'll tell you something's going on. Something's different. And do this, knowing the time. As a believer, you should know the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'm just going to tell you right up front, it's time for the church to wake up. I've been telling you, it's time for the church to wake up and do this, knowing the time. That it's high time. That means it's past time. It's past time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Let me tell you, you're closer to the grave or to the rapture than you've ever been. Every one of us. Say, well, I've, I've, been, I've been all my life living, for, living and hearing these things. Thank God, I intend to live all of my days for God. If I, however long that is, I'm going to leave this place by grave or by rapture believing. And in my salvation is going to be nearer tomorrow than it is today. Now do this knowing the time, it's high time to awake out of sleep. Now for now, for right now, that's present, your salvation is nearer than when you first began. For the night is far spent. And the day is at hand. If you're looking around in this world, if you know anything about the Word of God, you should know that the night season is about over. And that we're coming to the day. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us, the believer, the church, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and in drunkenness and in lewdness and in lust and not in strife and in envy. Boy, I could preach right there a second because I've never seen a church like in America that there's nothing they want more than their right and their liberty to be a drunk and still live for God. I, I, that, by the way, Paul said that be not drunk with wine as to excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Back up. 13. Let us, that's the church, walk properly as in the day. We are children of the day, not children of the night. Hear me. If I would continue to read in John chapter 3, Jesus would talk about being the light, and he would talk about that men preferred the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. We are children of the day, not children of the night. Hear me. I could go on to tell you, it says when men get drunk, they get drunk at night. That's what the word says. Let us, the church, as in the day, not in revelry, that's about drinking and partying and, and, and entertainment and all the, uh, spend some time in what the word revelry means and in drunkenness, not in lewdness. Oh, I, could, I, I didn't come to park on any of this stuff. God's people should not be lewd people. Does anybody need me to explain about lewdness and lust? We got a problem when, when we got a church that's trying to live like the world but make heaven and trying to impact the world. I got it's been the mantra of the church for nearly 20 years is to give us, to, to, to see what the world wants and to give it to them in the church and that, so that we can influence the world. I'm going to tell you, you've never influenced anybody towards righteousness by unrighteousness. You've never influenced any to come out of the, of the darkness by turning out the lights. 
You've never influenced anybody to get their life in order by destroying your own. Come on, somebody. This shouldn't even be controversial in the church, but I guarantee you the last three minutes if I put it on YouTube, if I put it on Facebook, if I put it on an Assembly of God minister site, I'm going to spend the next three days arguing with preachers and leaders over their freedom and their right to behave like everyone else, and that is anathema. My God, come on, somebody. It shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be controversial. But if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. He made us something different. He didn't sanctify our sin. He delivers us from our sin. We are supposed to separate from the world. Come out from among them and be you separate. Touch not the unclean thing. And then I will receive you. Come on, the night is over. It's, 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 the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, the church, therefore walk it properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewd and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And make no provision. He said, and do this. Did you catch that? Paul said, and do this. Walk properly as in the day. Know what time it is and behave accordingly. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That's you to fulfill its lust or fulfill the lust thereof. Let me go back to John 3 and tell you, Jesus said, whatsoever is born of flesh is flesh. It never becomes spiritual. Whatsoever is born of spirit is spirit. It never, be, it never becomes fleshy. This is about salvation and walking in out and living as children of the day. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 28 says, now we brethren as Isaac was. Let me tell you, catch you up. This is Paul speaking to the, to the church in Galatia. Now, when's now? Now, since the cross, since we have the gospel, since we have the truth, we, who's that? Brethren, we brethren and sistren. Who is that? That's the church. Now, we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondswoman and her son. For the for the son of the bondswoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. Then, brethren, we are not children of the bondswoman, but of the free. Cast out the bondswoman and her son. For we, brethren, are not children of the bondswoman. Then, brethren, we are not children of the bondswoman, but of the free. What's that have to do with all connected. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12 real quick and then let's go. Actually, Genesis chapter 16 says, Now Sarah, Abram's, Abraham's, Abram's wife, was born, uh, had born of him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah and Abraham said, Now 
See, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps that I will obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of, of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, told Hagar, maid the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham and to be his wife. And after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had, she had conceived, her, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then said to Abram, why, why my wrong be upon you? I gave my maid unto you to embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. And the Lord judged between you and me. And so Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do with you her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her in the presence. And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness by the spring and, and on the way to Shur. And he said to her, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her hand. And the angel of the Lord said, I will multiply the descendants uh, exceedingly so that they will not be counted up for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said, behold, now listen, behold, you, will, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction and he shall be a wild man. Are you with me? And he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. And she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, also, have I also here seen him who sees me? And therefore, I will, the well shall be called Ber Laharoi. Observe it as it is Kadesh and Barib. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and, the Abraham, and Abram named the son who Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Now I've just read to you account of the flesh. I'm going to tell you the story of the spirit, but I've just read to you the account of the flesh. Whatsoever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatsoever is born of spirit is spirit. He Paul told the Galatian church, Oh foolish Galatians, are you so foolish? Having began in the, in the spirit that you think you will fulfill or you will walk out this life in the flesh. Galatians 5, 4, and cast out the bondswoman and her son. For we are children of the free, not of the bondswoman. Heavenly Father, I need your help today. Mark our words, measure our tongue, anoint our, 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 our speech. Lord, anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say to your people today. And Lord, help us and open our eyes and give us victory over the things that we struggle with. And let us walk in power and walk according to the Spirit that we do not fulfill the lust of our flesh. And we will praise you and give you honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Abraham, Isaac was the son of promise. Abraham, in his old age, God had come to him and said that you're going to have a son. We're talking about people, men and women, that are above the age of childbearing years. And you know that when they heard this, that Sarah overheard and she laughed in her heart and, and kindled some anger against the, of God. But God is not slack concerning his promises. Listen to me. That whatever he says he will do, that was what he is going to do. And we know that when you go all the way back in, in Romans, that it says that Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. You got a man 75 years old that, and, and, a, and, a, and a wife that he says you're going to have a child. How many of you know I would rebuke that and say, get behind me, Satan. But they desired a child. And listen, it was, listen to me, I'm going to talk about God's plan for a second. It was God's plan to raise up his people through Abraham. 
Let me say it a different way. It was God's plan to raise up the Christ, the Redeemer of all mankind through Abraham. And it was, he, it was a child of promise. It was a, a child of miracles. It was a child beyond the natural means. Always from the beginning, it was a child of promise and beyond the natural means. Sarah's body, the Bible says, was dead. He said Abraham didn't consider his age or the deadness of Sarah's body. He just believed God. I want to talk to what we do as believers that how many of you have ever been afraid that you were going to miss God? Just really. How many of you have been afraid uh, I was going to miss God? Let me help you with something as, as we move through. I have never yet one time seen one person ever miss God that was seeking God. I've never seen one person miss God. I've seen plenty of people miss God. I've missed God. But I've never seen one person miss God that was seeking God and following God, walking in obedience to God. Most of the time when we get in problems, when we mess up and miss God, hello, we mess up and miss God not because we get behind God, but because we get ahead of God. I know half of my life I was worried, calling the ministry, that I'm sitting around and in waiting and I'm getting frustrated. I have the promise of God in my heart. Hear me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I had the promise of God in my heart. And I spend time trying to fulfill the promise, getting frustrated when other people are being propelled into ministry with help. I'm not. Makes me mad. Yes, I get mad. Yes, it's frustration. Yes, you, you have the promise of God in your heart. And you know that you know it. There's going to be some of you. You're going to have the promise that God's going to call you. Some of God's already called you. Yes, he's not, no, he's not going to change his mind because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He's never going to change his mind, but it's going to be up to you if you pursue him. Sir, you'll find me when you search for me, Right? Most of the messes I've ever made is not because I got behind God. It's because I got ahead of God. I'm talking about having a spiritual promise. Somebody hear me. Whatever spirit is spirit. Whatever's flesh is flesh. They can't cross over. Ooh. And I have the promise, the spiritual promise of God in my heart. Because I know he's not slack concerning his promises. So whatever God says he will do, he will do. I know that he's not a man of lie, the man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should repent, that he should change his mind. Yes. Hello. I know this. Somebody, I'm going to help somebody. Y'all tune in. Because there's people in this house right now that God, no, well, every single person in this house right now, God has a plan for your life. If you're his, he's got a plan. And it's a good plan, and it's a right plan, and we start chasing the plan. Listen, we should chase God. Oh. We should be pursuing God, and the things of God, and the Word of God, and walking in the Spirit, not pursuing His promise. If you pursue God, you'll, you'll get His promise, I promise you. I've never seen anybody that was seeking Him that didn't find Him. But I've seen a lot of people, including myself, get ahead of him. Trying to, listen, trying to fulfill the God-born promise in their life by means of the flesh. There's never at any point that God's plan for your life turns to your, in, to your ingenuity, to your ability to plan and scheme, if he needs a planner, he's, he might call a planner, but it's never going to be your plan. It'll still be his plan. Right. See, I'm not, going to seek, I'm not going to seek the promise. I'm going to seek the promise giver. Yeah. Oh, you ain't hearing me. Yeah. It's, already, it's already good. It's already good. I'm not going to seek the promise. I'm not going to seek to fulfill the promise. I can't fulfill the promise of God in my life by means of the flesh. It is absolutely, positively impossible. 
This is why he goes in Galatians and he begins to draw the analogy between the two covenants and he begins to draw the analogy between the, the sons of Abraham and he begins to draw and then, and so we can understand that things happen spiritually and never fleshly. Hey, God says you're going to have a son. Years later, I think, what did it say? He was 86 years old, so 16 years later, he still doesn't have a son. And so knowing the thing that God, that, that God has a plan, Sarah begins to come up with a scheme. And Abraham begins to go along with it. Just take my maidservant. Now listen, I don't have time to go in all the studies and how they done all that thing that day. It would have not been unusual for him to go to, to one, of the, one of their servants and one of their, and, and, and one of their people of their household to have a son. That would not have been unusual at all. But it was not God's plan. He said, of you and Sarah, you're going to have a son. I'm trying to help people at Mag that are called to the things of God walk in the things of God. And beyond the call of God, just the believer to walk in victory. How many of you would like to walk in victory? I want to walk in victory every day. I want to overcome my shortcomings and overcome the works of my flesh that are evident. But I know he tells us to walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is no, there's no way, so let's say it the backwards way. There's no way to get in God's plan and to fulfill the things of the Spirit by walking in the flesh. Let's say it that way. It's not possible. Whatever's flesh is flesh. Whatever's spirit is spirit. We see the lifelong repercussions of Abraham and Sarah, of Abraham and Sarah's scheme with Ishmael. God promised you a son. It's been a long time. Maybe God's waiting on us. Are you with me? Maybe God's just waiting on us. I'm, I'm, I'm filling in the conversation here. I'm not trying to do any harm to the Scripture. I'm telling you how, look, it's there. Listen, go get my, go get my maidservant. God get, promised you a son. I'm, I'm old. We're never going to happen. Go, get, go take Hagar and have a, have a child. She may even said something like, you deserve it. Guess what? It wasn't God's plan. Now there's some good news right here. I want to give you some good news in the middle of all of this because they messed up and they messed up big time. And let me tell you how big time they messed up. They messed up so big time that still today, right now, in 2023, some 5,500 years later or whatever it is, they messed up so big time that we are still paying the price of their fleshy decision almost 6,000 years later. And guess what? Spirit, flesh never became spirit. Never to this day did flesh become spirit because see their scheme and their fleshly idea gave us the children, of, gave us Ishmael and the children of Ishmael and what the angel said to Hagar that day is still in effect today. said, You're gonna, I'm going to make a nation of these people and he has and he says that Ishmael and his descendants are going to be wild men. And they're going to be against everyone. And everyone is going to be against them. All these millennia later, we are still dealing with the sons of Ishmael. Listen to me. I want you to see it. That the plans, that the, that the working, trying to work the, a spiritual plan through a fleshly means has great repercussions, and it never became spirit. To this day, we had 9-11 because of Ishmael. We have riots in the street of Paris today because of Ishmael. We have constant attack in the Middle East and constant conflict today because of Ishmael. 
And by the way, church, there's something that's raising its ugly head all over the church world, and, there, and, it, and it's anti-Semitism that's beginning to raise its head, in the, not, not over the seas and not in racial context, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today, that anti-Semitism is beginning to raise its head because people, the church people, are beginning to think in it by natural means and starting to buy the lie that the Jews are the problem and have been the problem. I got to tell you that they were the sons and the children of Abraham and still are children of the promise. They've, God's not changed his mind. They are the natural vine. We are the grafted in vine. He tells us in Romans that he will remove the graft, that's the church, before he will pull up the vine. And I'm going to tell you, no matter what the news media says, no matter what, the, what Dr. Beelzebub tells you in your college world history class, I don't care what they tell you in your world religions class, I don't care what they tell you on the news media, I don't care what the, what the stupid preacher that's bought into stuff that's not scriptural, that Abraham is the son of promise and that they, are the, they, are, they have the righteous calling and the righteous inheritance of the things of Abraham, not the son of the flesh, but it's going to be a continual war until Jesus comes and sets it all in order. But you need to understand that God's word is still true, his way is still right, that spirit is still spirit, that flesh is still flesh, and the promise that he told to Hagar that he will be a wild man and that everybody, he would be against everyone and everyone would be against him is still what you're today. No, it's not. it has not been political cruelty uh, or, or religious persecution for the Jewish nations. They are the sons of the Spirit. And whatever is spirit is spirit. Whatever of flesh is flesh. And they can never change places. Settle it in your heart. When you stand up against the apple of God's eye, you're going to stand against God himself. I'm going to tell you there's some promises that he gave Abraham. And one of them is that the God that watches over Israel, that's his son. That's his grandson, by the way. It's not just a piece of land. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is Israel. He watches over the covenant. He watches over the people. He says the God that watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And if you think that's wrong, go find somebody of about a 70-year-old age that was in the Middle East in, in 1967 and 1973 and talk to them about what happened in those wars that they witnessed with their own eyes. If you think God is still not with his land. By the way, man, I didn't mean to park here, but I'm going to go ahead. Let me go ahead and help you with something. Let me go ahead and help you with something because the church needs correction. And if you disagree, you need to repent. I don't care who you are or what scheme you've come up with. If you stand against the apple of God's eyes, you need to repent. You are standing against God himself. You need to understand it. He has not changed his mind. Let me tell you something about that little strip on the, east, on the, on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea that has still today never been stretched out to the proportions that God promised them. Let me tell you something. That land does not belong to Benjamin Netanyahu. I'll go ahead and say that. But it does belong to the Well, it does not belong to the Palestinians. It doesn't belong to, 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 to the PLO. It doesn't, belong, it doesn't belong to any of those people. It doesn't belong to the Syrians. It doesn't belong to the Jordanians. It doesn't belong to the Egyptians. It doesn't belong to the Saudi Arabians. It doesn't belong to any of them. That, that land belongs to God himself. It belongs to God himself. It is his land. Andrea, I didn't mean to set this much straight this morning talking about flesh is flesh, spirit is spirit, but, I, but the church needs to be called to the place where God, where God said it's time, it's high time that we awake out of sleep and that we walk as children of the day rather than as children of the night because that's where we're at. If the church doesn't repent, then the church has to be judged. Judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, that whatever can be shaken will be shaken in the heavens, the earth, below the earth, so that whatever cannot be shaken can stand. For our God, what, is a consuming fire. Whatever's flesh is flesh. 
Let me tell you, 6,000 years later, the descendants of Ishmael that are warring against the children of Isaac are still flesh, and the children of Isaac are still spirit. Here's the good news. Abraham messed up, and we're still paying for it. Abraham messed up, and we're still paying for it. That's not good news. No, what I'm going to say next is good news. Because, see, you've messed up, and sometimes you're still paying for it. Sometimes you're seeking God, but got ahead of God because you want to do a fleshly answer for a spiritual problem. Or you, went to, you walked out to fulfill a spiritual calling by a fleshly means. And you cause havoc and wreak destruction. You, and you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you shall reap what? A whirlwind. That's what the Bible says. He hadn't changed his mind. He even wrote it in the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. You know what he's saying? Don't lean to your fleshly understanding. Lead to the things of the Spirit. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Here's the good news. Abraham got off track. It's a terrible thing. By the way, anytime you think it's casual, you say, it's time to move on. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to balance the church. Because they say, you just think that people ought to mess up big time and just go on and nobody think anything about it. There's no consequence. There's no such thing as sin without consequences. There is no such thing as sin without consequences. Somebody hear me. There is no such thing as sin without consequences. But I, I know who holds the consequences. And it's not me. Abraham messed up. But he still believed God. Y'all getting quiet. Now. Don't get quiet now. I'm helping you. Because, see, I've messed up plenty, and I've got consequences of messing up plenty. But I still believe God. And when you, when, you, when you walk, when you come back, when you repent, let's change your direction. If you're walking in the flesh, the only thing you can do is turn from the flesh and turn back to the Spirit. That is repentance. Hello. And you know what? He doesn't say that, oh, well, you messed up. Sorry about you. Sarah conceived a son in her old age. Beyond all reason, beyond all expectation, beyond anything that's explainable, Isaac was still born, and he still came, and he still walked the promise, and he still showed him the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea, and he still made a nation of Isaac through promise. And the Messiah still came because of it. And today we stand here set free by the blood of the Lamb because of the promise that God gave to Abraham. Do you know that it's still because of the promise that God gave to Abraham when he didn't quit, when he, when he, didn't, when he kept going, and in spite of the mess up that he, that he then the, you know, today they tell him to quit preaching. Yeah, right, right. They, to quit doing, you messed up, you're done. Yeah. But you know what? Spirit was still spirit. It didn't become flesh, Jason. Abraham, they messed up. Flesh stayed flesh. We're still paying for it. Spirit stayed spirit. We're here saved because of it. Now about us. The biggest lies that have invaded the church over the last decades is that there's, there are other ways to live for God and to live good lives besides faith in the Son of God and in Jesus Christ. The ways of man. Y'all hear me. Don't, this, is, this is not, this is, this, is, this is built up to come to you and to me. Do you want to walk in victory? I want to walk in victory. Amen. I'm not talking about fame and notoriety, and I'm talking about at my house, in my skin, in my life, every day. Amen. It'll spill over into everything else if you want to walk in victory. 
It's not going to become because you learn to obey laws and learn to obey rules. See, when you're obedient to God, you, you will do those things right. Y'all ain't hear me. Oh, I got to get down to places that people just don't like. Goes back to the Galatian church. Oh, foolish Christians. Who has bewitched you so quickly that you would believe that you can live in spiritual victory by carnal means. There's only one thing you can do in this life to live in victory. And he put it in Galatians chapter 4. Listen to me. You must have to cast out the bondswoman and her son. Listen to me. Over over Israel, listen to me. You have to cast. What does that mean? What does that mean? Cast out the bondswoman and her son. That all the things that you tried to make it happen by your own means, by your own way, by your own flesh, by your own ingenuity, by your own scheme, by your own plan, has to go. All of it. All of it. See, we would think in the Western mindset today, how cruel is that? I mean, we're going to, I'm going to take him to court. I'm going to get alimony, and I'm going to get child support, and I'm going to get this. That, that. Forget all that. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Has nothing to do with it. One day after Ishmael, let me help you with something. One day after Isaac was born and he was growing up and becoming a teenager, he was around that Sarah saw Ishmael and Isaac or Ishmael and Hagar together. And it says that they were mocking Isaac. And when we see that, we think they're going, moo, nanny, boo, boo. Or we think they're going, you know, imitating or mocking. We think mocking. No, what they were doing is they were planning and they were scheming to kill him, to circumvent him, to claim the heir, to, claim to be the heir of promise, to be the firstborn son, to be the, to be the one that was the apple of Abraham's eye, to be what am I going to tell you real quick? Lest you think it's cruel. Lest you, I'm talking about our lives. Hear me. This is what God is talking about. Whatsoever's flesh is flesh. Whatsoever spirit is spirit. They can't cross. They come through one day and they see. She sees with her own eyes what is happening. There's a plan developing. There's a, there's a conspiracy afoot for mama and this son to take care of Isaac. And Sarah goes to Abraham and says, they got to go. It was Sarah. It says, as Paul wrote, as it is written, cast out the bondswoman and her son. It wasn't God who said that. It was Sarah. Said, Abraham, I saw it with my own eyes. Hagar and Ishmael have to go because they're going to kill your boy. And God came in the scene and spoke to Abraham through an angel and agreed with Sarah. Said, do as she says. Let me tell you something about when you think you don't have to remove things out of your life. Are you hearing me? To li- I'm talking about to live for God. To live in victory that you think I can hold on to that. I mean, to not hold on to it would be wrong. To not hold on to it would be cruel. To not hold on whatever that is. Oh. 
I'm trying to help you. Abraham could have said, oh, Sarah, that's my boy. And we, I mean, I messed up, but I mean, I mean I, what am I supposed to do? We can't do that. Over here in Galatians, Paul's talking about the difference, and he's talking about the new covenant and the old covenant. He's talking about the law versus grace. He's saying if you're going to live by law, you're going to kill grace. Listen, if you're going to live, if you're going to live by flesh, you're going to kill spirit. Not occasionally, every time. Because whatever's flesh is flesh, whatever spirit is spirit, they can't cross. And I'm going to tell you what it tells you in this Genesis account about the two covenants, about the two sons. If you continue to let the, the product of the flesh live, stay with you, live with you, support you, and you support it. Oh, this is where it gets quiet every week when it ought to be where we grab hold. If we continue to hang on to the things, well, we got liberty after all. Oh, oh, I'm helping. Because, see, we got liberty in Christ. But let me tell you what, because he, he's even going to go, he's going to go straight from cast the bonds one out in her son to stand therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be no longer a slave beginning the yoke of bondage. He's going straight from one to the other. Let me talk about liberty. Hold on. He'll go on to tell you, he goes on to tell you three verses later, stand in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Be longer engaged again in a yoke of bondage. And he says that if you do, you become estranged with Christ. And that you insult grace. He's telling you that it can't happen. And I come by to tell you this morning and that, by the way, this, this isn't, this is, this is meat. This is meat. This is big boy food. This is how you live for him. When you understand, listen to me, that if, I, if Abraham didn't put out Hagar and Ishmael, that there would have never been a coexistence between the son of the flesh and the son of the promise, that they would have never learned to get along. Listen to me, flesh and spirit never get along. 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 To be, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Flesh and spirit never get along. You're never going to be a spiritual diet by fleshly means. Put it out. It's got to go. How much of it? All of it. Lest the flesh kill the spirit. The things of the flesh will always kill the things of the spirit. How much of the time? 100 percent of the time. Your liberty, my liberty, I don't have no liberty in the things of the flesh and neither do you. My liberty come in the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. The liberty that I have in Christ Jesus is not to live any way I want to because I have grace. Because carnal liberty will kill spiritual grace. And you will become a child of the flesh. I'm not even going to talk about the works of the flesh are evident. He says, make no mistake that those that are living this way shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not about a believer that's struggling and they fail in their flesh sometimes. That's not it. It's when you embrace this, the fleshly things, thinking you can live spiritually while embracing the flesh. It's not possible. Church, it's not possible. And the more we realize that the, that the bondswoman and her son has to go, the more victory we can walk in. 
the more of the presence of God that we can have. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you know who wins when people don't walk in the flesh? Everybody. Had Abraham not got ahead of God, you know, do you have any idea what kind of different world we would be living in right now? I don't, I mean, time would not permit it. Do you know? And the entire history of mankind would be different. There would be no crusades. Right or wrong, there would be none. There would be no Middle Eastern conflict. There would be no Islamic terrorism. There would, there would be no Islamic takeover in, in Michigan and Minnesota and Paris, France. That none of those, I mean, I, couldn't, I could go out. There would be none of that. There would, ne- there would not be a single suicide bomber blowing up their name with Allah Akbar. None of it. And here's the thing, lest you think our flesh is different than their flesh. It's always destructive. It always kills the plan of God. It's never spiritual. And it will never be right. I wish I had 40 more minutes to talk to you about what the things of the flesh look like in the church today. Maybe tonight. But I'm going to tell you, there's no room to make any provision for the flesh in our life. If we're going to have victory, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to see a turnaround, if you're going to see, if you're going to see your marriage healed, Brandon, you can come back. I'm going to wrap it up real quick because I'm going to touch on some things. You can fight until the cows come home. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You can, you can marry the absolute one that God had for you, no doubt about it, and destroy it in the flesh happens all the time or you can marry absolute the wrong one because you're driven by lust and and it never be right ever young person lust isn't love young lady when he says if you love me you will let me tell you something love is patient Love is kind. Love does not bear false witness. Love does not keep records. You can destroy your family that was put together spiritually, God's idea, by walking in your flesh. Relationships, personal callings, anything that God's placed in your life that was good, that was spiritual, when you put carnal thinking into it, your carnal thinking won't get spiritualized. Your spiritual life will get destroyed. Because carnal mind is an enmity with God. Some of the things of God are so basic and so easy that when people come to see you, it makes them mad when you give it to them. Because, see, they want to do something complicated. That's the, that's the nature of man to do something. Oh, example, real quick. Remember one time I, there was a leper he was, a, he was royalty. He was, he was a big deal. But you know what he was? Le- a leper. And he came to the prophet. He came to Elijah. And when he got there, he was so important that he thought that he come, he come to the man of God for a spiritual answer. Keep in mind, he didn't have an answer. Keep in mind, he didn't have an answer. I'm talking about flesh. Are you with me? He's, he didn't have a spiritual answer, so he turns to God. He comes to the man of God. He thinks he's something. He gets there and Elijah don't even come out. 
He sends a servant. He said, hey, the prophet said, go down and dip in the Jordan seven times. Made him mad. It made him mad. He thought, see, it didn't fit what he thought ought to happen. It didn't fit his carnal thinking. It didn't, it didn't make sense to him. Are you hearing me? It didn't make sense. It was, how simple is that? Nobody said that God's answers were complicated. They just said you need God's answer. It made him angry. He says, there, there's cleaner water everywhere than the Jordan. Go dip seven times. Why am I going to do that? I'm a leper. I need something clean. I'm already dirty. That doesn't make any sense. And his servant said to him, he said, man, if he had asked you to do something hard, if he had asked you a hard thing, wouldn't you have done that? Yeah, because people, flesh loves to do something hard, complicated. It makes us feel like we've done something. You know, what the, you know what God wants? Obedience. Are you hearing me at all? You've asked, he said, have he asked you a hard thing? Wouldn't you do that? Come on, man. You didn't know what to do. Isn't it amazing that when you don't know what to do, when you come to somebody that knows what to do, that you get mad because them knowing what to do doesn't, wasn't hard enough, complicated enough, didn't make sense to you? You didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to do. So what are you gripping about? Okay. One, two, three, four. You know what? When he came up on four, he looked just like he did when he went down on three. Five. Nothing's changed. Six. This is ridiculous. Hello? Six, that's the number of man. He ought to quit. Seven, that's God's number of perfection and completion. He didn't quit. No surprise to me, the man of God said, go dip seven times in the Jordan. On the seventh time, when he came out of the water, he was clean. It wasn't because of any scheme of man. No man could have came up with that. It wasn't because the water was magic. It wasn't. It wasn't because of anything. It's because he sought the man of God who had a spiritual mind, who heard from God and said, go do this. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Cast out the bondswoman and her son, that complicated thing, all those works that you're going through, all that guru you keep running to, all that, I started this, that dung you watch on television, Trying to find the answer to your problem. How about you turn to the Word of God? What a novel idea. How about you turn to the Word of God? How about you shut yourself in a prayer closet? How about if you're really dealing with the flesh, how about you fast? Because I'm going to tell you, fasting doesn't deal with God. Fasting deals with your flesh. Fasting is for you, not God. Fasting is for you, not God. Oh, somebody shout. Fasting is for you, not God. How about you turn to the things of God instead of every guru, every counselor, every dope dealer, every, how about in your marriage problems, instead of running to the the he-man woman-headers club at work, some of you old enough to know who that is, how about you go to somebody who has been successful and loves the things of God and has, and has had a successful marriage instead of, the first, instead of the group of six at work that hate everybody that they come in contact with and they're going to tell you the problem is if you'd leave them, the next one will be better. Guess what? The next one won't be better because you're, doing, you're dealing with spiritual things through carnal means. How about it? Because i got to tell you, the bondswoman and her son's got to go. It's the only way. That's how you live for God. Stand all over this house. Whatsoever's flesh is flesh. I hope you remember this day. I hope you remember this day. It may be the most important word you've ever heard in your life outside of you needed a Savior. I'm not kidding a bit. Not because it came from me, because it's word. And it's, and it's where the church has left off. It's where we've left the reservation. 
it's where we've left the covenant, if you want to be, if I could be real frank about it. Do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, Christ died in vain. Verse 30, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Boy, that ought to be always the question. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? Cast out the bondswoman and her son. And they shall not be, you, because you shall not be the heir of the bondswoman. You're never going to get an inheritance from your flesh. But brethren, we're children of, of the, not children of the bondswoman, but children of the free. Let me read you these next few verses, then we're going to pray. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Nobody else, Christ did it. And do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You came out, everything you were doing was bondage before. You're standing free in Christ. Don't go back. It's in Christ. I indeed, Paul, say to you, who have become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify that every man who becomes circumcised is a debtor to keep the whole law. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it by works. You're going to do it by law. You've got to do it all. You have become estranged from Christ. When you try to do it in the flesh, that's what he's saying. You are attempting to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we who through the Spirit eagerly wait the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith works by love. Mag Church. This is the meat of the Word of God. If we ever become bored with the Word of God, then we've lost. And fascinated with the spectacular, I'll tell you what is spectacular is free living and broken bondages and deliverance and freedom. That's what's spectacular. Father, we need you. Thank you today. Thank you today. Move by your spirit all over this house. Lord, I pray that you've given us ears to hear, hearts to receive in individual lives all over this place, maybe in a place that we've struggled in the flesh forever, that we wanted free, but we thought we could set ourselves free. And we understand today that we got to cast out ourselves, cast out the, the cares of this world, the things of this world, the ways of this world, the, the way of our fallen nature, and understand that it all comes through you, who you are and what you've done. And today, help me. Help me. Let it become our mantra, our cry. Lord, I can't, but you can help. All over this house today. If you need free, I'm not talking about salvation this morning. We're talking to the, we're talking about to the saved. We're talking about seeing power in our family, restoration to our marriage, deliverance for our children. It's not going to come by, by all the screaming, yelling, fussing, fighting, this, that, and the other. You're not going to come up with it. I'm talking about we're going to cast all that junk out all over this house. If you're in too big a hurry to get freedom in your house, then you're, too, you're in too big a hurry. If lunch is more important to you right now than, we're, than, than, than peace in your house, then you're in too big of a hurry. I got places to go. No, you haven't got anything more important than to receive freedom in your personal life and in your home. Is that you today? Who would say, I need it? Who would say, I need it? I need it. I need it. I need freedom. I need to cast out the works of the flesh. Why don't you do it right now? Lift your hands all over this place. Lift your hands. See, that's a universal sign of surrender. Father, begin to pray in your, today. I cast out the bondswoman and her son. Lord, help me. By your spirit, open my eyes to what's true. And when I attempt to, to walk in my own power, 
that it, you remind me that I have no strength to do this in my own, that I need your grace. Lord, it's who you are and what you've done. It's not the schemes and the plans that I can come up with. Lord, I need you in my house. I need you in my house. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my children. I need you at my job. I need you when I'm alone with myself in the dark with too much free time. And I, and I wander off into filth and to tra into trash and, and to schemes of men. I need you. I know I've tried. Listen, tell me. I have tried and tried and tried and I failed and failed and failed. But today, I know that I need you, your word, and walk in obedience to who you are. The same way I got saved is the same way I'll walk in freedom. By putting my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he's done for me. He didn't, you didn't just save me. You gave me freedom and victory to not live in the vices and the traps and the schemes and the things that were trying to destroy me. Today, I trust you with it. I put my faith in you. And I will walk in it day by day, minute by minute if I have to. But you will come and you will give me grace upon grace. And I will get stronger and stronger always keeping my eyes on you, always looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Lord, help me. I can't, but you can help me. And you know what? I know that you honor your word. I know that victory is here. I know that I can depend on you because you're not a man that you should lie. Thank you for help. Thank you for victory. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for peace. See, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Instead of fighting, I'm going to bring my problem to you. Instead of trying to fix them, I'm going to pray for them. <laughs> God help me. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen all across this house. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, tell them that you love them in the name of Jesus.